You're listening to Post Dramatic Stress, hosted by Charlotte D. A weekly podcast to connect creatives and communicate about the highs, lows, and laughs of being in a creative industry. Hi guys, and welcome to episode 11 of Post Dramatic Stress. I'll be joined today by um, two fabulous guests, along with my co-host Isabella Jacqueline, who I lovingly call Bella. Um, But today I'll be joined by the guys who have uh, started and running very successfully the Hub Studio, which runs in Perth and in Sydney. Um, They brought along their daughter, Stella, to our recording um who is our youngest podcast guest who hasn't even reached a year old in this world Um, and what we've done today is made a bit of a best of of their recording so here's the best bits of our chat with ollie and nat from the hub studio um but i have always done acting as well i lived in sydney for seven years and then ollie and i created the hub together while we were living there and now we're back here i've uh, created my own verbatim theater show um before what's, I, what's that about it's about motherhood it's called motherload um i guess you could call it documentary theater um it was really awesome directed by a guy called dean kerry who specializes in verbatim theater and runs the actor center australia in sydney in Lightcart there yeah, it's very good to get him um yeah he's a great guy um <laughs> But, um, yeah, and we're looking at redoing that as well. So, yeah. Excellent. That's a bit about me. Ollie. Um, Ollie. So, Perth guy, a Perth guy, a Perth guy. Um, we're both Perth people. Um, and then went, uh, the, the usual road, I guess, went to Curtin University and, and ended up, um, luckily enough, at that time at, the, at NIDA in Sydney. And that's why I went to Sydney, you know. Um, and then spent 14 years there. And I think... Um, and, and was an actor, you know, uh, and I'm an actor, but uh, it, yeah, it was an interesting journey coming out of NIDA, um, obviously, and then uh, feeling like, hello Sydney, it's a very, very different energy to Perth, yeah. um, and feeling completely disconnected and completely just sort of in a, in a vacuum of information, if you like, and doing terrible work, or so I thought, but doing lots of it, yeah. um, not necessarily paid work either, but just working at the local theatre companies and things like the new theatre and stuff like that. Um, when you say terrible, do you feel like it was terrible because you didn't want to do it, or terrible because you look back at yourself and think, oh, I, that wasn't my best um, I think uh, in hindsight what happened through drama school is, it's a, it, 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 although a great place, it's um, a bit of a sausage factory, you see, and it was a very cerebral process, and so I came out of there. Yeah with the idea of saying, right, now go and be famous, you know? And there's like 20 other people that are all gonna go and be famous at the same time. And it's it's daunting. So the, the 991 rule is that you, yes, you get craft training, um, but you get no experience of how to live as an artist. And so then you come out the yeah. other side and you're like, right, well, 99% of the time, I'm just trying to figure out how to eat and live and work. Um, yeah. And then 1% of the time you're actually acting. And so I fell in a big hole, um, uh, emotionally, uh, mentally. Yeah. And then, um, clawing yourself back out of all of that process was very much about meeting Natalie and coming back to Perth and so I think we really needed each other we're quite different in a lot of ways and similar in other ways but um Ollie you can be quite a dreamer um and yeah maybe you needed my practicality to kind of say what can we practically do to move forward the the key key moment was for for me anyway was coming off the back of a a big musical that i was lucky enough to get oh no there was two key moments the first one was like 
producing a big musical in Sydney. Um, you know, we had Machine Gun Fellatio, we had John O'Connell, who is um, Baz Luhrmann's choreographer. Uh, we, we'd raised 300 grand out of Perth to do this big musical, put on at the Carriage Works. Had the best of the best, you know, uh, bands and all that shit. And it tanked, it completely flopped. And I remember my drama teacher, Kevin, who we eventually set the studio up with, giving me a hug in the foyer of the Carriage Works, right, which is ginormous, um, because no one came. And this is a 300 seat did venue. You still, did you still put it on for the group? We, no, we didn't run it that night. And subsequently we actually did end up doing okay yeah. as it developed. But we basically ended up um, just doing a great show uh, and having spent all the money, um, which was extremely difficult uh, th process to go through. And so I think eventually I just threw my hands in the air and just went, oh, God, fuck, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. And just went back to Perth and reconnected again with this sense of just doing it for the love of it rather than trying to make it into something, if that makes sense. Right. Um, and and uh, I remember at that time I was tw 28 and just feeling really, really frustrated and I met Nat uh, and we were doing a theatre show um, at, oh, I always forget the name Lux of Bar. Lux Bar, thank There's you. There's an amphitheatre out the back there. Um, I don't know if it's still called Lux Bar. On Beaufort Street and Mount Lawley. And I think Natalie was just a big breath of fresh air for me at that time. Um, and so then I got happier, right? And you, and you were doing a, a show and working and we were just sort of having fun, I think, probably. Yeah. And, and subsequently, because of that, there was uh, a musical called The Sapphires, which became the movie, uh, The Sapphires, and they were auditioning for lead uh, male, like just the only white guy, basically. And, um, and I happened You're like, to be... I'm a white guy. Yeah, yeah. And so Annie Murder Monks, who, yes. you know, she, yes. she uh, gave me an audition. And um, this is one of the distinct advantages about Perth, is that the funding system, they needed to, to book people out of Perth because it was a co-pro with Black Swan. Black Swan uh, and Belvoir. Black Swan and Belvoir. Mm. And so there you go, bang. You, now you're on a national tour with Christine Anu and all these other wonderful people, Casey Donovan and Jimmy Barney, and, and, and that was just an extraordinary adventure. Yeah. Every dollar I got in at the end of each week, I spent every dollar of it um, <laughs> because I still hadn't put the wheels on the ground. Um, and then I was 31, and that show finished, uh, and I was back... Um, being, we'd moved back to Sydney at that point, but I was back being a waiter uh, at the at Centennial Park. And then what? So what happened? How did the Hub Studio? Well, we we were just looking. Well, you can tell the story. We were, yeah, sorry. I don't know. Um, frustration, pure frustration. Yeah, frustration. Actually, having no other option. Like, well, what am I going to do? Am I just going to sit around? You kind of see these people in LA, and they're forty, and they've kind of done. Nothing with their life. They've, you know... Not even 40, there's 50, 60. You know, 50, it's and it's like, quite sad to, you know, go there and see well, those people and think, well, what do I really want out of my life? Um, how can I still work in this industry um, and do something that I enjoy? Hey, let's chat to Kevin, who uh, was head of it, acting at NIDA. It, We're talking about Kevin Jackson, for those of you that don't know. Yeah, Kevin Jackson, sorry. <laughs> and um, we approached him and said, let's get one class together. It started off that small, 12 of us going to do one class with him. Um, and I think a lot of actors do that, but then they can't be asked doing it again. We, we, and that's we, where we literally, Ollie's really um, good at doing it. We wrote down on a piece of paper, and it's the central core of this um, idea of uh, your your plan A and your plan B coming together. Mm. And it was the idea of what is it that you can do tomorrow 
th th and that's the core of entrepreneurial thinking is is the idea of problem solving. So it's 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 what is it that I can do tomorrow? And the only thing we could do tomorrow was run an acting class. That's literally what was in our power, you know. And the idea of running an acting class for for me was just uh, the idea of giving up at that point. Um, and then so we did one class, and then we did another one, and another one, and another one. Um, and I think that the, the awakening pointed that. I remember um, we were both away uh, for a bucks for your brother's um, birthday. Oh. In Los Angeles, and uh, no, in, in Vegas, Vegas. I'm sorry. And I came back to because we had four classes on, and and I looked at the, I just added up the numbers. If you got everyone in through the door, and it was like twenty five thousand dollars. And I thought, oh my god, that's, think you could actually do something with that. And you could see the, the just the power of the daily, in and out of that kind of business. Sorry, Bella. I think something you touched on there was that power of when things aren't going right in your life or perceived to be not going right, using that energy to do something with and to create. Yeah. So, so this is seven years ago. Now, I, I believe... So the, the thing that I'm the most passionate about as an actor is the idea of actor entrepreneurialism, mm. which is to say that you, you can have a career. You just have to go and get it. And it, at the core of entrepreneurial thinking, as I said before, is just the problem-solving thing. And... The, the question there is, what is it that I can do tomorrow that's in my power to, ch to make the change? Um, and I think, unfortunately, a lot of actors suffer from uh, the, the bipolar nature of an agency system, of a casting agency and agency system that dictates to you that, hey, don't, don't worry, darling, I've got your career. Yeah. You just be a good actor and we'll figure out the rest, right? Along with 150 other people on my books. Yeah. And, of course, they're... they're main master yes is to you on some level i'm not saying they're not good people but is they've got a business to run a lot of people that don't have the well what is it that i can do tomorrow mentality or are coming up with don't worry darling we can figure it out for you just let us handle the work side of things mm -hmm. then you're left in this power vacuum and, and things like podcasts that's something you can do tomorrow you know <laughs> none of which i'm saying is easier yeah none of which ultimately has to do with the specific craft of can I act or can I not act, all of which has to do with business. And for you, you didn't really have like a plan A and a plan B, did you? You kind of, your plan A became a bit of a plan B, which also then has turned out to be a sort of plan A because you're, you were saying your tomorrow thing that you did. Um, at that point, you said that you were feeling like it came out of desperation and frustration. But it, it didn't quite turn into a plan B, did it? So do you believe in plan A's and B's? Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> that's um, a loaded question. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. I think your plan A is your plan B, and I think you have to swing with how that... It's not as simple as, I just want to act and I'm going to get an acting job. It's, yeah, about you know, flowing, flowing with how that can change and look. It's not just black and white. I think a lot of us as actors think that, you know, similar to what you were saying before, we just think, okay, well, I'm an actor, that's it, now I sit. But I think today things are so different. Actors are doing more, performers are doing more, we are doing more yeah. as people. And I wonder what your opinion is on, is it enough just to say I'm an actor and that's it? Or do you uh, need no, to be a business not. person? Do um, you need to be a musician? Do you need to be a presenter? What? I always come back to a good friend of ours, uh, Joel Jackson, who's doing extraordinary things. And I saw him in a class that he came and did with us with Anthony Skews. And I saw all of his business ability inside the acting thing. Now, he does, mm. he does do other things. But he, he, he is pursuing acting, right? But the way he's doing it is extremely entrepreneurial. Mm. 
you know, for, for um, Peter Allen, not the boy next door, he didn't get an audition. He got an audition. Does that make sense? He put the tapes in and said, look yeah. at me. I don't have the balls to do that <laughs> or the gumption to do that. I sort of do it in my own way, uh, which is using the stu studio in one sense as a vehicle. So I think in, in any sort of road to success, there is the determinant. All the factors are the same things. You know, whether it's a business that you're doing it for or you're doing it for yourself as an actor, which is also a business, right? I think all of the same rules apply. So, so it's the democratization of everything is which which is happening. So as the emerging digital media market has come on, it's democratized everything. So you have the best camera and editing equipment there's ever been at the cheapest price point it's ever yeah. been. You, you have the most the access to the most amount of people at the cheapest price point that that's ever been. That's unprecedented. Yeah. So that's why I always say it's never been a better time to be a professional working actor. But it's also like saying, here's a big blank piece of canvas, now paint me on Monet. Yeah. And you're like, oh shit, where do I start? A anyone can do it, and that's also difficult. So it's the democratisation of everything, which is also good and also bad. Mm. Um, so I think more than ever, any actor needs to understand, any people across business need to become entrepreneurial in thinking. Um, other, otherwise, you're not necessarily creating that point of difference. So it's the Seth Godin thing of seeing find your tribe. You don't need millions of people in order to be a success. You just need to find your tribe. And there's lots of different ways you can do that. And so I think it's about, um, as that terrible corporate saying is, pick a lane and bowl in it, mm. you know, um, which can seem frustrating as well. But the good thing, if you can use both systems in one sense, is that you do have the traditional casting system. You know, the casting agent rings the agent, the agent rings you, and all of a sudden you can go from zero to hero and be on mainstream television. Um, you've also got the other option of saying, well, I can create my own work and end up on television or whatever your sort of thing is, like um, the Van Vuren brothers, for example, who created, um, you know, uh, Bondi Hipsters, and millions of other examples, you know, that have gone through the YouTube system, which is getting picked up by SBS and ABC and those kinds of mm. places. Um so I, I do think um, the single biggest issue facing most graduating actors is that their business acumen is way too low. Mm. And it's leaving, and that's where a lot of the frustration and depression yeah. is coming from because they're left, as they say, as a mushroom. Because which is they're almost in our age now, which is very like um, self-promotion focused, social media focused even, you're saying actors are graduating without being prepped for that aspect. Of 100% industry. I'm saying that, yeah. So, mm. and, and, and also what's worse, I think, in some respects, and I'm buttering my own bread here, right? <laughs> but I think um, the, the, the full-time one, two, and three-year training programs can potentially be doing more damage because they're not up to date uh, in terms of they're not keeping up with how fast the industry is going and they're not integrated. Mm. So you're removed from the industry. And then there's this idea of we will present you to the industry, the idea of a graduation showcase. And then the idea of that is that all the agents come and they go, yes, darling, yes, darling, yes, darling, yes, darling, yes, darling. And then all of a sudden you have an agent and then all of a sudden you're booking work and then all of a sudden, bang, right? But Which as does you were happen. Saying before, there's 20 newbie stars but, but coming what, out. So. What happens when that doesn't happen? Yeah, mm, exactly. Or when it dries up. <clears throat> yeah. And <laughs> again, there's a falsity around the idea of making it as an actor. There's the idea that at some point I make it, and then yeah. once I've made it, I cross a threshold, and then forever and a day I'm swatting, swatting away award-winning scripts and getting paid millions of dollars, right? <laughs> if you take the lid off 
any of those major stars, I think, like the Kate Blanchett's or the whoever's, they're all business people. They all have a, the locus of control, which is that they're working inside companies where they have a say, mm. regardless of them being an actor or an actress or whatever. They're actually, um, they have a... Um, they have a circle of control. They're in the center of something that they can control. And that's the biggest problem with actors is that by nature of the agency system, the casting agency system... They're left quite powerless. You, t you give your sense of control to, and you say you are the custodian of that. And that's the single biggest problem and cause that's for so all true. of this depression. That's so true. And then, you know, you're not only that, with, with that loss of control, you then feel that everything's... A validation or not validation of how good you are. And what's, wor what's worse is you, I see all the time actors going, how do I speak to my agent? I'm not really sure, you know, blah, blah, And I used to have this. You'd go, hi, and they go, yes, darling, yes, yes. They go, I'm busy. I'm about to make an important phone call. Yeah, you know, everything's good. It's good. It's fine. Yeah, look, you know, or worse, you know, well, we've put it out there and they just, look, I, I'm not, I don't know what to say, darling. I mean, they don't need, they don't, they, they know don't you. They know in. your work. They you're think you're great. In. They know your work. There's just nothing ready for you yet, you know. Mm. I had an agent tell me that I'll start working when I'm 42. <laughs> and I was 25. And you were like, well, that's a bit late for me. <laughs> But I think you should hear more of Natalie's story because the other really interesting component to this which you were talking about is the idea of what happens when you want to become a parent. Yes. Because mm. a lot of people won't even, like, I know for me personally, I'm like absolutely phobia about relationships. I don't do them because I don't believe that you can juggle ambition and love. <laughs> I'm like, you know, you can have your love as your ambition, your ambition <coughs> as your love. But you guys, just not being content with finding the love aspect, you've also started a family and it's working. So I'm sure our other listeners who are similar to me would like to know about how on earth that is well, possible. Well, the, the locus of control is the sense of saying the business gives us every excuse to keep doing the stuff that we're doing and there's no one that tells us that we can't. The only people that tell us that we can't is when customers don't buy the things that we're selling. Yeah. And so Natalie says late last year, you know, I want to, my passion point is, a, is as an actor and a mother. How do I fold them together? And then all of a sudden she's in a show um, that's important to her, that made money, that was really successful and has a life, but none of which came effectively around because of her great acting ability. Not saying you're not, but <laughs> it was just the business of acting rather than the craft of, you know. So what steps itself. was it that, that got you to that position, would you say? Um, or just, what mindset or what sort of, it's, it's probably a multitude actually of doing. It's simple as that, isn't it? Like you guys are doing go okay it's about relationships as well who do I know what can I do and approaching people if you don't have those relationships but you know for example Nat was late in terms of getting booking a theatre yes like really it was just completely out of the cycle but the tenacity is to say no we'll figure it out right and so I think you you'd always admired Dean Carey's work right yeah I love his work yeah and so I, we always have this thing of um, action emails if you, want to, if you want to write to the person, just do it. Just give it a go. Mm -hmm. um, and so she did and had a, a really good response. Anyway, I'm taking... Then there's the risk of you've approached this person and you weren't quite ready and you've given them an image of you and then that's you, it for You that. just have to be authentic. I think you can have little to no skill. It doesn't what? matter. We, um, <laughs> as long as you've got determination. I mean, and it's all levels as well. You're not going to be approaching, um, you know, Steven Spielberg because... He's never going to get back to you. Well, maybe he will. But, um, yeah, I don't know. We, we um, you know, on, on Thursday, um, 
at the moment with the studio, we're trying to get in ma major actors and directors, Australian. Um, and they're not particularly difficult to get hold of it, 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 to go through the agency system. But, um, you know, I already got two no's um, from fairly significant people, but at least they're getting back to you. And I've already had three yeses from other, you know, really significant people, and they're getting back to you. Let's talk about the so, Hub Studio for a minute, because mm. just because we just touched on it. So what exactly do you do there? What <laughs> happens there? I know because I've been there and had the benefit of having some amazing training, but just... But some of us are like me and we haven't a clue and we'd like to know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so um, traditionally the Hub Studio was set up as a home uh, for working professional actors and creatives. Um, the idea of it is that it's a safe place and an empowering place. It was meant, It was built out of the anti-space of... Fuck, what is my life? Ah, where do I go? I don't know. Yeah. And it was built as an antidote to all of that. It was to say, no, no, we, we are a group of professional people, uh, most of which are trained and have gone through places which are extremely hard to get into. Um, and so it shouldn't be so difficult. It doesn't have to be so difficult. And so it's meant to be um, an empowerment place, if you like, an incubator. So the big thing that we've always said uh, is that it isn't a drama school. Now, you can equally say it is a drama school. You do acting training, and, of course, that's what we do. So we run uh, you know, professional development classes in, in, in what's called the repertoire, or we call it the repertoire, which is uh, film work, theatre work, improvisation work, uh, movement work, voice work, and now um, business. Mm. Um, and that's the meat and potatoes. That's what we do, right? So we just bring in the best coaches that we can to train in those disciplines, and that's, and that's it. And you've got some big name coaches, actually. In fact, yeah. like if you're someone who's not able to go to WAPA, for example, or you just didn't make it this year, or you're not ready at this at you the moment. Yeah, you don't need to. Why? Yeah, I mean, last year even we had some great people come from WAPA mm. and teach us voice or teach us We just had um, or... Donald Woodburn in Sydney uh, mm. for our Emerging Actor Program, and he's just the ex-head of voice at WAPA. He just mm. left, literally left, happened to be in Sydney, and, and did some work with us. Um, Yes, yeah, so the idea, but hang on, why are we not a drama school? Uh, is mm -hmm. I wanted to finish that because I, I think it's important, the, the, the mental difference. So we're always saying to actors, when you come in, um, you're an, you're an, it's an actor and a coach rather than a student and a teacher. And so the mental mindset difference is, excuse my friends, but why the fuck are you here? Mm. And we always ask everyone that, why the fuck are you here? Like, what is it that you actually want? Because if you don't know what you want and you aren't pushing for that, then we can't teach you or we can't help you, right? So it's about the locus of control, again, this thing, mm. which is taking responsibility for your training and taking responsibility for your craft and saying, well, lean in, do the work. But don't just do the work. Actually push yourself further than you've ever pushed yourself mm. in a very safe environment where the wheels aren't necessarily on the ground. I mean, we do do casting workshops with, with Stevie Ray and other people like that. And in those environments, I say, look, yeah, sure, it's a workshop, but you're actually auditioning. Yeah. <laughs> like, you've got to be very careful. Mm. Uh, be prepared, you know. Um, but in other environments, it is um, a theory. It's an exploration, if you like. And so hopefully the idea is that it's a meeting of the minds rather than sitting in the background and chewing on your bubble gum and going, oh, what is it? What are we doing next? You know, like, mm. and that's the point of difference for me is that you're not a student. I would never, te I would never treat anybody like a, st a student. It's, it's, it's almost like you're saying it's a school for acting entrepreneurs rather than just actors. So 
because I think there are a lot of people, I think, I mean, I don't want to generalise, but I think there are a lot of actors that are just going to training because they are actors. That's that's what they call themselves, they're actors, I am in things, sometimes I get auditions. <laughs> but you're right, there is, there that, that next step, I think, is from my interactions with people so far, there's not that next sort of level of initiative and like, okay, well, what am I going to do for myself? Where am I going to go? Yes. How am I going to mould myself? What else is important? I guess the what else is important is what's missing. We, we just train and we're like, yes, the craft, the craft, the craft, but then what? Like, you could be the best actor and then you're just, what, waiting for a call? Like, sure. I think... Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, but if you are the best actor, ideally you're not just waiting because it's not the best actors that get all the work. Mm. The best business people who happen to be actors. Yeah, it's lots of things, you know. You can, I mean, there's certainly the right place at the right time um, as a factor, but also don't forget that um, th th this is the, this is the, of any industry that I can see. Maybe music as well, or dance potentially, but it has the most fluid status dynamic of any industry that I can think of. And what that means is you can go from hero to zero and zero to hero many, many, many times over. Mm. And so, and we've had this, you know, there's people in the studio that you go, oh, hi, mate, nice to meet you, da-da-da, and you don't think twice. And then the next thing, you know, they're, they're like major TV sort of roles and they're like, they're off, mm. you know, and, and you might, res I mean, ideally you respect everyone, but, you know, you might not have picked it, if that makes mm. sense. And then equally, those people are back, you know, in, in back at that, in that cycle. Because yeah. um, the, the harsh reality of Australia is that, A, the average annual income for an actor is like between eleven dollars and $16,000 a year. So from a tax perspective, it's a hobby. Yeah. yeah. Like that's the brutal reality of it. But then the other side of it as well is that even if you might do a film or you might, you know, the only major regular income you're going to get is, is through the re repetition, which is what, a TV show, right? Or even when you do a feature film, you can get really good money, but you'd need, you need to do back-to-back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back -to -back features and then head off to America to start really making it big. And so in some... I know it sounds very depressive, and it's, but I think the, in one sense the reality of it is that, that there's a very cyclical nature to, to our industry anyway. So within that then, what does it mean to be a professional actor? Yeah. And I always say it's what's going on between your ears. It's not am I working or am I not working. It's what is my sense of self and how am I making passionate passionate pursuit of that objective, as KJ would say, which is my career. It will always go in swings and roundabouts mm. in this industry. And so I don't think actors, professional actors should define themselves by the amount of work they're getting. I think that's a dangerous trap. So what do you think they should be defining themselves by? Um, <laughs> a loaded question. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. a great question. Um, the pursuit of excellence is professionalism for mm -hmm. me. And it doesn't matter what that is. The being the, the nicest guy in the room or the best actor in the room or knowing the most amount of stuff generally or the most well-read or the most whatever. It's the pursuit of excellence. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Uh, so with your... You were mentioning that you teach business now at the Hub Studio. What sort of things would you be teaching then if we're looking at ourselves as it's clear I think we're making the, the assumption that it's not enough just to be an actor these days and just sit there and wait we need to do more we need to know our product we need to blaze our own trail so in doing that we need to think about ourselves as a business yes um which I'm assuming is the same sort of thinking that you're um, having maybe maybe yeah. not and then if so what what sort of areas are you teaching people um, it, it's, I, th I, hopefully it's, it's, um, aspirational in the one sense of saying you can have the career that you want, 
that you want. Mm. Uh, you might not get everything you want, but then who does? Um, so there's that side of things, which mm. is saying, um, it, it's also saying don't wait. Um, it's also saying, uh, so we teach the idea of, I want people to get angry, actually. That's kind of what I want them to do is go, no, fuck it. It, it is my turn. Like, I can mm. actually do this, you know. Um, and then it comes back to very practical hooks because I think uh, actors are very heart-led people uh, and you can get sort of, you know, we get a comment. I, I always do a focus form, which is, okay, what do you want? Um, uh, and by specifically what date, by spe- uh, sorry, specifically yeah. what date is it going to become a reality, you know? And everyone says, I just, I want to be an actor and I want to get paid for it and it, it'll happen within the next two years, five years, ten years, whatever, right? And you say, okay, cool. Um that's way too general. Yeah. Like, what does that actually How do you mean? Work towards Everyone that? just wants to be a working actor, you know. So you can you can divide the field immediately by saying, well, are you a man or are you a woman, right? And then you can say, well, what's your ethnic background? What's your and then you can say, okay, well, which TV show? Australia, America, where? where? Because it dictates specifically what you're going to be looking for. And then you think, okay, it's home and away. You know that it's Mulliners that you need to go and get to know because they're the casting agent for that particular show, right? Mm-hmm. And then you need to look like the people that are on that show or at least have a point of difference. And then so it's quite simple once you work back, work the process back. Mm. And I think that practicality is something that we really lose. So, again, the reason the studio started is because Natalie quite rightly said, oh, God, you're getting so carried away. Just, <laughs> just pull it all back. And what is the thing that you can do tomorrow? And that's ideally what you want to teach is then the repetition of that process. And then um, what I call uh, getting on the train, which is about finding true and genuine accountability. So if you didn't do it, you're in shit, right? (laughs) Or you're letting people down or there's money that you're going to be spending, something to get you truly and genuinely accountable. And I think the reason why the studio has survived in one sense is because we were in deep shit if it didn't. Yeah, okay. You know? So there was a stake. Like, what is your stake? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then you work it out, uh, ideally, from, from that point. I mean, it doesn't have to be, like, life or death, but the accountability measure can be uh, as simple as booking a phone call with a mentor to talk about your career and then or putting a timeline on something or mm. just something that actually puts the wheels on the ground. So what's your thoughts on um, a lot of people say surrender? But you're saying don't surrender, be proactive. So how would, are you still in the mindset of all the people that go, just surrender to it? And if so, how on earth do you surrender to it as well as being proactive? Um, <laughs> surrendering to uh, your fate, do you mean? Yeah, people your sense like, of destiny. Know, apparently, apparently, you start booking things and working once you're just resigned and you're just like, you know what? Yeah, that's true. I think that is true. And yet we can't just resign ourselves because nothing will ever happen. So it's like a fine line. But I wonder if the surrender is about just surrendering and knowing your product and having realistic goals, maybe. I think one of the biggest things things for me was just knowing that I'm having to face the fact that I might not be the the biggest professional actor that that I had in my mind as a kid. So actually killing, you know, as they say, you must be prepared to kill your babies, you know, um, for the pursuit of what is right. So I, I think at the, the lowest point when I was lying on the bed and going, fuck my life, um, I basically said to whoever, the universe or whatever, it was the idea of saying, well, you've obviously got a plan. 
what tell me what it is i'll just go with that you know if i'm not meant to be in this industry so be it that's fine like if it just i just want to live the best version of myself and so i think um that's what i do in one sense come back to is that i i love acting uh, and i can keep pursuing it but it's not everything now and maybe the best version of myself is to be in the position that i'm in helping around it mm. but still i get annoyed with that and I go, no, fuck that. <laughs> it's my turn. That's what you were saying. You know, um, and I find it interesting when you're on set or in a show or something and you think, God, is this deeply, deeply fulfilling me? You know, and sometimes you think yes and sometimes you think no, you know, but that's, I think that's true of lots and lots of things, you know. I think that's about knowing your product. As in, like, I, I feel like, like um, knowing your product is important because you can then do all of those things. If you know who you are, you know what you have to sell, you know sort of what your limits are and how far you can go, then maybe then your business acumen is more effective because you can do all of that. But I feel like there's a lot of us out there that have these dreams and maybe they're realistic, maybe they're not. So I guess how do we know what's realistic and therefore have a business approach to? Yeah. Well, again, it's what, what is it that I can do tomorrow? I think that's a great one. You Taking know. it step by step, day by day, and then mm. it builds to goals. And, and the studio for me is me. You know, yesterday I was writing to John Bell, who who runs Bell Shakespeare Company. I've had a, have a conversation with him all year about trying to get him into the studio. Um, and I've had th those sorts of conversations with many people now, none of which has ever happened because I've been an actor and they've wanted to talk to me, all of which has been because I've tried to offer them a job. And I think that's the great thing about being in different positions as a producer or whatever, you can actually go... Hey, Ryan Core, are you interested in this project? So ultimately, maybe there are plan Bs. So you do have this plan A, it sounds like to me, that you, acting is your first love, and that's the dream. And if you could work as an actor, that would be wonderful. Oh, uh, no, then, I don't think I'd ever give up the other stuff. Well, what I was going to say is then you've, you've still got... There are other ways to go about things, and also I think we forget that there are other elements to acting. There, it's not just about being an actor. What about the rest of, that comes with it? What about tra helping to train people? What about... Um, working behind the camera. I, I guess that's know. hitting on the point. I don't think if you looked at any of the major A-list actors that have been around for a long time, they're not, just, they're actors. not just actors. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, you know, you, you'd look at um, Michael Caine talking about being part of an ensemble for the last 10 years of um, the, Christopher Nolan. You know, he was inside Christopher Nolan's sort of troop of actors, if you like, mm. um, and working that relationship. So maybe that is it. You are still... In the pursuit I mean, of your dream, you're just going about it a different, different way. way. Oh, I don't think I don't think you last. I I don't know, but I don't think you last in Hollywood or Australia if you're not putting business up front. Mm -hmm. I here's a script. Can you produce? Like I was speaking to Ryan Core literally the other day, and he said uh, he's can't come to the studio as much as he'd like to right now because uh, <laughs> he's um, producing his first television show. They're, they're all doing it. <laughs> mm. You're not. No one is just an actor at that level because you you're you don't last. You know. You have to be keeping yourself at the forefront of that industry. And I well, think it's the, the locus ability, of control. It's it's control. Like as an actor, to be able to go to the people that you're expecting to hire you, but to pull them on board and go, hey, now can I hire? Look, like as a theoretical exercise, is if I gave you fifteen million dollars or twenty million dollars to make mm -hmm. a film, I bet you you could pretty much get any actor that you wanted. Mm -hmm. It would cost you a lot, but yeah. you could do it. So. It's a dumb thing to say in one sense, but it's it's just the 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 essence of the comment is anything is possible. It's just how do you get to it, you know? So if it's money that you need to solve, then that's the problem you need to solve. 
If yeah. it's the right script you need to solve, then you need to find the actor, uh, the writer. Getting in the room, getting the right network. It's just about thinking outside the box, I think, and not thinking that you have to fit into that mould that you were talking about at the start, that I am now an actor, I have so, an agent, and now I wait. It's about, well, what else? And I think also it's about having some accountability for what else do I need to understand about my industry. I don't think it's enough to just be an actor because how do you know how to relate to everyone else on set, how to understand the project in its whole if you have no idea what anyone else in the project is doing? It's very true. I think it's about, and, you know, for you starting up your own company and bringing these people on board, well, the reason they're coming on board is because you have that knowledge now of what it's like to yeah. have a company. So but, they, And it's some... something that ideally no one could take away from you. I think that was the big thing for me. Mm. I was just so sick of, like... Not people taking things away, but just going, I'm powerless. I don't have any power. I don't have a vehicle to do anything in. Mm. It's so important to not feel, um, Belle, that you do have that lack of power because there are other ways. You just need to think outside the box. You really just, it's acting is, you have to think about it like a career. If you wanted to make it to the CEO of a company, you're not going to get there by just doing one role all the way through, are you? No, exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's like when I started out my production company because I was just being that, as they were talking about, generic actor sitting yeah. there with my agent going, look, I'm waiting for that audition and it's not coming because you know what? In Perth, sadly, yeah. it's probably not going to. Yeah. Like it's terrible in Sydney, it's terrible in London, terrible in LA, but Perth, it's even maybe a little bit worse. It's getting better. Yeah. But I think we definitely need to be proactive and it's like having that checkpoint sheet and going, okay, well, I'm sitting here doing absolutely nothing. So yeah. what could I be doing? All right, here's something I could be doing better. All right, once that's done, cross that off the list. Now what's next? Yeah. And eventually by default, you're building your portfolio, you're building your skill sets, and then the jobs start coming. Yeah. Like I'm working more as an actor now that I'm focusing more on directing than I ever did when yeah. I was just focusing on acting. Yeah. yeah, it's so interesting. And I think approaching your goal in a different way, like j- just look outside the box, look at what you want to achieve and be like, well, how else could I get there? Could I go around a different direction? Not everything is a straight through the, path. Again, this idea of coming back to entrepreneurial thinking is, um, the, again, it's the comment I keep coming up with, is, is the locus of control, right? And it's basically saying that your career is your fault. Your success is your fault and your failure is your fault. And you have lots of both. Um, but it's just saying that if your agent says, sorry, darling, I'm busy, that's your fault, right? It's not inherently your fault. I'm not saying go and, you know, beat yourself up. But I'm saying, okay, they're busy, right? But they they're, not getting you, busy they're not getting you where you need to go. Okay. Why? It comes back to well, you. Well, now actually. what? Hmm. So it's all about problem-solution, 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 saying that it's nobody else's fault that the problem isn't getting solved. No one is going to solve your problem. The cavalry is not coming. That's the big... That's what we call our course. The cavalry is not fucking coming, right? So stop thinking that you're going to be rescued by some director that's going to discover your talent. Once you book that job with Spielberg, you would have fucking earned it. Mm, But also, how um, empowering to feel like... You don't have to wait for the cavalry. You don't have control. to wait for the cavalry. You, you, you are your own. You yes. Know, you can literally be, this sounds really corny, but you can literally be your own hero. Yes, of course. And you only ever will be. But the, th- the thing is that everything is your fault, right? So stop thinking, like, don't put the, the control outside of yourself. If your agent is not doing what they need to be doing, then you need to figure out how either to motivate them or go and get it yourself in spite of them or without them or alongside them or whatever. And I think, um, like, I know this actor recently who's doing some pretty cool things recently. Um, and he's like, he said to me, I said, well, you know, like, the people behind you and that. And he's like, it's all me. 
And I remember thinking at the time, how egotistical. But in hindsight, it's not. He's not saying that he doesn't acknowledge his agent and his team. But he's he's put a lot into his career, a lot into being proactive. And he knows that if it wasn't for him, it wouldn't happen. So I think it's that self-respect as well, not, you know, going, oh, yeah, look, it's it, it all comes down to the people around me. You know, my great agent who, who was working so hard at, because they are. I think you have to have that bit of self-respect as well because once you treat yourself as a professional and you understand Mm. that you're worth it. Mm. Owning your space and your product. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's also, I think, with actors, the idea of um, when you get a job, that's when you're an actor. And I think that's really dangerous as well. Or or when you make it, then then I'll start the work and then I'll be accountable and then I'll keep, keep it going. But um, and it's very simple to think that way because you're not earning money specifically and you're off in another job and you're doing all that sort of thing. But um, I think it's one thing I've sort of tried to realise is that you've got you, you are doing it. This is this is it. And I remember one of my best friends, Sonny, we were sort of coaching each other at the time because we were both deeply frustrated. And he said to me, um, "This is you living your dream." I was like, "What?" He's like, mm. "This is you living your dream." And I was like, "That's how is that possible?" And he's like, "Well, if it isn't, then you're missing the point. Mm-hmm. If you're not prepared to go, yeah, this is me living the dream, then you're missing the entire point because you are waiting for the real life to begin, and it mm-hmm. never will." Yeah, mm-hmm. and also sometimes part of I think the anticipation of something is just as good, and maybe it is important to enjoy the process of our dream coming to fruition like you're saying you are living the dream you're doing it step by step one bit at a time and maybe maybe it's sometimes that's enough i'm not saying don't keep working towards anything but enjoy what's happening now Absolutely. colin firth at his oscar speech the first thing he said was i feel my career has just peaked mm. he's got an oscar and he's going shit this is the end fatalistic <laughs> mm. but you know the idea is that you never have it. You never have everything. It's not like great. I've got my Oscar now. I'll get another twenty. <laughs> no, a lot of a lot of actors seem to retire even after their Oscar win because it's like, well, we were the whole time we were working toward a goal, and now we're here, and it's like, we where do we go now? So almost the appeal saps away. Yeah. Because as humans, we're competitive. We want to be constantly doing better, doing better. But and the, the, I practice it never makes perfect, does it? But it mm. does make progress, mm. and sometimes we can get to a point where it's like. I suppose right. that's where it comes back you, into doing it for the love, though. You, that's exactly. right. You need to fall in love with the process yeah. and not the outcome. That, that's the big thing. It's about waking up in the daytime and, and loving the process, ideally, or loving parts of the process because you'll never get all of the... the, the again, the notion of making it is an extremely dangerous idea. It, does, it doesn't exist. Mm. It only exists in your own perception anyway. What is making well, it? Well, Hollywood sells it. Yeah, but also I think you determine that. Like you've decided, well, I've made it if this happens to me. Well, maybe we need to think about changing that idea. Like we aren't, like you said, living your dream. I'm making it right now. In, in hindsight, in hindsight, mm. ideally, you want to go back, you know, five years, two years, ten years and see yourself then mm. and say, hey, Oliver, it's cool. Look where you're at now. That's better. making it for me, yeah. I guess, in part. I think it's a good reality check each year to think, okay, Last time, this year, last year, at this time, what exactly was I doing and where did I want to be and where am I now? Mm. And if it's maybe not quite where you wanted to be, but you can see there's obvious progress, you you have to be able to look and go, look, I'm doing well. Mm. Like, hold yourself accountable but not beat yourself up. And, and also the idea, ideally, of entrepreneurialism, once you get into a space where you have accountability, ideally you can make some money out of either that or another job that 
and so you're giving yourself these two key metrics as an actor, which is more money and more time. That's the thing you need to be an actor, right? Is more money and more time. So then, therefore, ideally, for us anyway, with the studio, if it doesn't all tank and fall in a hole, then I can have my career until I'm 100 and I'm 38. So nothing majorly dramatic has happened yet as an actor, but I know that I can afford to be one uh, until I was 100. So who knows? You know, you might have the five years of glory, you know. I mean, again, Michael Caine thought his career was at, finished at 60 and he had another 20 years. Mm. Um, and he was retired. He was in Florida. He was retired at 65. And then um, someone said, I'll come and do this film. And he did. And then that was a success. And then... Shade him again. Yeah. So, you know, I think it's too simplistic. I think the way that we think about the industry is so simplistic and... Um, yeah, it's, it can be dangerous, you know. And But again, the power piece is you can have the career that you want. You just have to work hard for it and you have to look at what is it that I can do tomorrow to make it better, you know, mm. whatever that is. On that note, we are reaching the 49-minute mark. This Woof. has been a long one, so it is time to start wrapping up. But we always ask the same question towards the end, which yes. is what do you wish someone had told you when you first started your career as a creative or as an actor? Oh, yeah, it's a great question. I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. Um... The first thing that comes to my mind is that it's okay. Yeah. That it's all okay. Um, yeah, probably to love yourself a little bit more than I did in the early days. Um, uh, I don't know. I really don't know. It's a great question. What would something I wish they told about. me? Yeah, or just something you wish you knew or something you wish someone had said to you so you maybe stopped going down a path towards it, um, you know, or... Uh, it sounds odd, but don't don't respect people as much as you did. Not to disrespect them, but just to not. I always have had a problem with authority in the sense that I just fall at authorities for. Oh my God, I'm sorry. Yes, sir. No, sir. You know, private schoolboy. Mm. And I wish, I, and I did that for every stage. But you wish you had more, you know, confidence in yourself about you being at their. Just the just more side. gravitas into yeah. my own sense of self. I kept giving myself away to everyone all the time. Which comes back to like knowing yourself and feeling, you know that. You're worth it, isn't it? Self-worth. Uh, probably, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> At least you're on top of it now. At least I, you're on top of I it I feel now. like Ollie might still be working on this one. I can see his brain going, hey, why am I doing I that? No, um, it's a hard question. I don't know what I would answer to that. No, no it's just... Well, um, we should ask ourselves sometimes, I think we should. Yeah. Next time. Yeah, but yeah, it's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, there you go. Yeah. All right, well, wonderful. Um, thank you. Nat's not in the room, but we thank her. And we also thank um, Stella, who is we also no Stella. longer in the room. I'm trying to find them. And Ollie, we thank you too. Thank, thank you, you so much for your time and coming on board. And guys, go and check out The Hub Studio. How can we find you? Oh, yes, www.thehubstudio.com.au or on Instagram and Facebook. Excellent. Oh, I'll just have to add you on Instagram in a minute. Yes, yeah, we love our Instagram. I love we it. do. We're, we're... There will be some tags following this um, podcast. Uh, yeah. You go and check and got... us out on Instagram, which yes. I should know my handle. Post-traumatic stress, I think. It's like post-traumatic stress pod. And that's dramatic, not traumatic. <laughs> so... Because although being a creative can be traumatic, it's more dramatic, to be honest. I think so. I am, <laughs> at least, anyway. Um, right. So, yeah, thank you, guys. And uh, next uh, episode, uh, please tune in. We're actually um, very excited. We're having uh, Annie Murtar Monks. She's going to come on board and say hello to us and talk about a few things, um, which is going to be really exciting and hopefully beneficial for anyone listening. So, thank you, Bella. All right. Thank you, Charlotte. Thank you, guys. And you, thank, Ali. You thank you, Nat. Thank you, everyone. All right. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Bye, guys. 
Thank you for listening to Post Dramatic Stress. To connect with us or to register to come on the podcast, visit us at www.lettingcharlotteout.com or email us via postdramaticstresspod at gmail.com.